Chapter Twenty Five of Ned Franks, or the Christian's Panoply. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Red Cross Knight. There have been many school teachers more clever than Ned Franks, the one-armed sailor, many possessing deeper knowledge and greater power of imparting it to others, but there have been but few who could make themselves more popular with their pupils. It was not merely that Ned was ready with a story upon every subject, that after school hours were over he would tell anecdotes of life at sea, but that his genial, kindly nature drew the young around him with a power resembling that by which needles are drawn to a magnet. The secret of this influence was, Ned was beloved because he loved. He did not go through his duties as a task, thankful when they were over, merely performing the work for the salary which had brought him. Ned Franks rejoiced in the work itself. What he did, he did as unto the Lord. In all his labors of love, Ned looked to his Savior for wisdom to guide him, for hope to cheer, for the blessing which gives success. There was not a boy in his school whom Franks did not remember by name in prayer, but few to whom he had not spoken in private on the subject of religion. Most of them looked upon him as a friend and counselor in need, and a grave look from the sailor had more effect than a blow from another man might have had. "'Come, teacher, now for a story,' exclaimed Stephen White on one wintry day when torrents of rain were descending, when the hauling blast rattled the window-frames and shrieked in the chimneys and dashed the shower against the panes, while ever and anon the growl of the thunder was heard.' Slates and well-thumbed books had been hurried back into their places, for Ned delighted in order, and tried to introduce into the school something of the neatness and discipline which he had learned on board a man-of-war. "'Well, my hearties,' said the cheerful young sailor, "'as this is not weather for cricket or football, I'm ready to spin one of my yarns, if you're willing to have it.' A general stamping of boots and clapping of hands was the answer. "'What shall it be about?' continued the sailor, passing his hand through his curly brown locks. "'Something about battle and blows,' cried a youthful voice from one of the farther benches. "'I have it,' said Franks. "'I'll tell you the story of the shield, not just because it amused myself when I was a boy, but because I've thought on it many and many a time since.' and it seems to my mind that it bears right on the subject which the vicar bade you all prepare for his next bible class the boys were quite accustomed to ned's habit of drawing a lesson from what at first seemed only meant for amusement he liked to accustom them to think seaweeds he would say float on the surface but we must dive for the pearls there be many stories from which we can draw a precious moral if we but care to go deep enough to find it. The lads soon took their places, some on the floor to be near their favorite teacher, who, resting his single arm on the desk before him, leant forward and thus began. When I was a yonker like yourselves, before I'd ever crossed the salt sea, I remember that my good father once took me to see an old castle in Wales, there is not much about it that i can recollect now i've a dim notion of old stone walls overgrown with lichen a portcullis with its rusty chains that was hung over the gateway and little slits of holes through which the archers shot long before guns were invented 
but there was one thing in the gray chapel which i remember well twas an old battered shield that hung there with a red cross painted upon it and i shall never forget the legend told of that ancient shield it had been carried to the holy land many hundred years ago by a crusading knight who followed richard i the knight's name has escaped my memory but we will call him st george many and great were the perils and hardships encountered by the bold knight mounted on his strong war-horse with his lance in rest often would he charge the saracen foe where the battle was hottest there would the sunshine flash on his glittering shield and its red cross might ever be seen in the thick of the fight one day i forget by what accident st george had dropped astern of the rest of the christian host and found himself riding all alone on a glowing sandy plain suddenly two saracens hove in sight bearing down upon him the sand under their horses hoofs rising like a light cloud st george uttered a short prayer he was a brave and pious knight then couched his lance set spurs to his steed and rode to meet the foe his spear laid the foremost low but snapped itself in the shock st george drew his sword and dashed at the second moslem who was a man of giant strength the struggle was long and fierce blows came so thick and fast that sparks flew from the whirling swords well was it for st george that his shield was of metal tried and tempered thrice it saved him from blows that would have cleft his skull the third time the cementer of the enemy was shivered against that shield the saracen thus disarmed turned his rein and fled across the desert st george had no power to give chase his horse had been sorely wounded and scarcely had the moslem enemy disappeared in the distance before the faithful charger sank dying upon the sand st george grieved for his brave steed and he grieved for his own desolate state adrift on that dreary desert with no port of safety in view and the sun glaring down upon him till the sand under his feet and the very air that he breathed seemed from a burning fiery furnace st george saw a few palm trees in the distance lifting their feathery tops athwart the clear blue sky and he steered his course towards them but heavenly laden with helm hauberk and shield the weary foot-sore traveller made but slow way it seemed as if he never would gain the shade of those few trees sorely tempted then was st george to fling away the shield that hung so heavily on his arm even though other enemies might be cruising on his lee once and again he resolved to drop it down on the sand but the sight of the red cross upon it changed the purpose of the night ho quoth st george no infidel foot shall ever be able to trample on that sign of my holy faith come weal come woe i'll never fling it away or leave my shield in the dust at length almost exhausted the knight dragged his weary limbs as far as the little isle or oasis i should say in the desert he threw himself down to rest under the welcome shade of the palms pillowed his head on the shield and speedily dropped to sleep presently he opened his eyes the broad fiery sun was sinking in a red haze on the horizon of the desert flat and rounded as a sea-line 
St. George felt very desolate and lonely. He looked down on his shield, perhaps to cheer up his courage with the sight of the cross upon it. The metal was smooth, polished, and bright, and shone like a mirror, save where here and there the enemy still had left a scratch or a dint. St. George could see the green feathery top of a palm reflected in it. He could see its slim, fluted stem, and he could see something besides which startled even his bold spirit. In the shield he saw a serpent, with forked tongue and gleaming fangs, coiled around the reflected trunk, as if just in act to spring. Warned in time, the knight started aside as the venomous creature darted down. It missed its prey, and the next moment was crushed beneath the weight of the shield, which the knight dashed with force upon it. "'God be praised!' cried the pious knight, as he looked on the lifeless serpent. "'Had I not seen that deadly creature reflected in my bright shield, I would soon have been lying where it now lies, slain by its poisonous fang. Well was it for me that I cast not aside my red-crossed shield.' Again sleep overcame the exhausted man. Though anxious to keep watch through the night, lest new danger should come upon him, he would not again rest his head on his shield. It lay beside him in the position in which it had crushed the serpent, with the arm fastening upturned, the red cross pressing the sand. Long and deeply slumbered the knight, so deeply that he was not even roused by a sudden storm which came down during the night, though the noise of it mixed with his dreams. Parched as he was, almost dying of thirst, St. George dreamed that the skies were pouring down their showers upon him, but that, fast as they fell, they were sucked in by the barren sand. He was wet, yet perishing for want of water. At length he awoke, to find that his dream had been but too true. The storm had come and had gone. The sand was steaming. The palm-trees were wet. Drops hung on the feathery leaves. The knight's mantle was damp and dank. But where could he find one draught of water to slake his feverish thirst? "'Oh!' cried the knight, as he tried to gain a wretched relief by pressing his own damp mantle to his lips. One cup of cold water now were worth a king's ransom to me. It was then just on the hour of dawn, and the first ray of light that streamed over the desert fell on a downturned shield. The heavy drops had fallen on the hollow buckler. It had caught and it had kept them within its shallow round. The men of the East speak of water still as the gift of God. Never had it seemed more truly to deserve the name. Never had it been more like life to a perishing soul than when the knight drank it, sweet and pure, out of his red cross shield. That draught gave St. George strength to rise and go on his way. He was miles astern of the camping ground of the Christian host, but before the day was over he sighted white tents and waving pennons, and his signals of distress were noticed at last by his mates. He was brought into camp half-dead with heat, thirst and exhaustion. But there, with food and rest, he soon recovered his strength. The knight lived to strike many a good blow for the cause which he thought so holy. When the crusade was over, and St. George recrossed the seas and came back to his country and friends, he hung up his shield in the chapel where I saw it when I was a child. He had carried it in troubles and dangers. It had been his defense through them all. It had guarded him from open assault. It had saved from the serpent's bite, 
it had relieved his thirst in the desert and now cried st george whenever i worship god in this chapel the sight of it will serve to remind me of all i owe to his mercy and when my days are ended and my dust lies in the vault the shield that i bore in battle shall hang there over my tomb end of chapter twenty five